0: Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. So amid much uncertainty, we always wanna know it's coming.
1: of course, human nature, we wanna put a, we wanna know what's around the corner. we put a big premium on forecasting. What's the economy like? What's the weather gonna be like? How's our health going to be next year, et cetera, et cetera. Welcome again to the most widely watched source of Carolina business policy and public affairs. I am Chris William, happy holidays. How are people feeling and predicting the near term, especially this economy, real estate prices, prospects for business in 2019? Well, on this program, as always, we will take a look at those road signs. And later on, joining us, Jay Karen from the National Golf Course Owners Association. Stay with us.
0: Gratefully acknowledging support by Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, healthcare, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at Bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Aaron Nelson from the Chapel Hill carborough Chamber of Commerce, Carl Blackstone, of the Columbia Chamber of Commerce and special guest Jay Karen, CEO of the National Golf Course Owners Association.
1: Welcome to our program. So, have I missed the No Shave November thing? Y- you did miss
2: it, but <laughs> we did
1: not. <laughs> no. hey, did you do it? In t- I know you did it
2: intentionally. Right? I, I did. Okay. And mine doesn't always look like this. I'm filling it in. I yeah, like, it. Yeah, like good. it. All
1: right. Yeah. Uh, it's self gratification here, you Absolutely. guys. Absolutely, yeah, that's right. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the program. Thank you. Aaron, good to have you back as always, Carl. Um, let's start with this idea. I want to read this to you. There was a recent survey, PricewaterhouseCoopers did, of CEOs, both small company and large company CEOs, about how they're quote unquote feeling about the economy. And the 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 title quote was anxious. The anxious optimist in the corner office. Uh, is that is that descriptive enough? Aaron, do you get that sense? That's
2: really interesting. An anxious optimist. I'm hearing a lot and feeling a lot of optimism, particularly locally. Yes. Um, Folks feel like North Carolina and the Research Triangle region is still a wonderful place to grow and start a business, In the Chapel Hill Market to be close to a university, access to talent, access to research, all of those are still really good, and the general economic conditions are great. Anxiety comes from mostly what's happening on the federal level, Um, a lot of discussion about the rules and regulations and taxes and then
3: some anxiety about what's happening at the state. Mm-hmm.
1: Carl, yeah. same thing, we're past the midterms, you think yeah. that's kind of a load off for folks?
3: I think it's a huge load off and now there's answers to those questions of what's going to happen in DC. Um, you know, the southern half of the United States is in a good position and the growth rates that we're seeing are, are phenomenal. Um, I think there is an optimism with CEOs that I talk to. Specifically, we've got a stable system somewhat in the state of South Carolina. The Fed now is a little more stable with uh, a split uh, split Congress. Mm-hmm. I think that bodes well. The last time we've had this, it, I mean, we're in a long, second longest expansion in our nation's history. It could play out a little bit longer now that we have a mm-hmm. more of a stable environment in D.C.
1: You know, I so the congressional split, as you described it, Carl, and what's happened in North Carolina, Aaron, that now Republicans don't have a supermajority and will have to maybe play a little bit nicer with their colleagues. Um, Will that hurt, Uh, not hurt, that's not the right way to say it. Do you expect that to help or hurt what businesses are trying to do in 2019 and beyond?
2: Uh, I expect it to help. I think that when people have to cooperate better, be a little more collaborative, Uh, don't just get your way and don't have to listen to anyone else that will have better policy get made. Mm -hmm. Um, We've done a great job of making a pro-business environment in North Carolina and I do credit the Republicans for that, Um, but it isn't as simple as it used to be where you thought Republicans were going to be good for business and Democrats not. Um, uh, This Republican, uh, when it was a supermajority, made some choices that were painful for businesses and for North Carolina's reputation. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, There was a dog leg left, and that's my term, uh, in politics between Republicans and Democrats nationally, certainly in North Carolina, a little bit in South Carolina, but South Carolina still has that very red vein that runs That's through right. it. Was uh, the Arrington race, the Cunningham race down at Charleston, the congressional seat was won. But is, is that is that is that a one-off, Carl? Do you still expect that the Republicans have a pretty firm hold in in the Palmetto State?
3: They do, and and that particular case was defined by some environmental issues more than anything else, and uh, the coast is very. Conservative, uh, from an environmental standpoint, I mean, the conservation mm-hmm. is a predominant issue, and uh, the candidate made some bad choices on on that to start her campaign and never recovered. Uh, I don't see it a wholesale change in South Carolina no. anytime soon, um, but I do think the more moderate candidate in that race won, and we're looking forward to see what Mr. Cunningham can do. I, I think it. Uh, it speaks well. I think we were talking about this a little earlier. I think the country is looking for just a not a divisive temperament and, and right. one that working together in a conciliatory mode, And I think is good. Yeah. The fighting's exhausting. I mean, it's exhausting. Yeah. It makes people not want to pay attention to
2: what's going on uh, and to just simply focus. Lo- and that's so, you know, our hashtag would be double down on local. Uh, that the stuff that's going on in the federal and the state level sometimes seems beyond our control and influence if we can just make our local economy successful, if we focus there we'll do better. Um, but it is a it feels so tumultuous yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. very nice that these are now uh, resolved. Um, your question about in politics, you know North Carolina, if you add up all the congressional votes, it was only 5149 Republicans to Democrats, yet still we will have, what is it, 10 uh, Republican congressional folks Uh and two Democratic. The the state, I think, is changing, led by the urban area.
1: Well, well, that's that's an interesting point here. And so when you drill down in the urban areas and you specifically look at the largest, Wake County, Raleigh, Triangle, Charlotte, Mecklenburg, you see that Mecklenburg County Commission now, all Democrats, that was a surprise to those that live in the Piedmont, and then even Wake, does Wake have one Republican on the Wake I think Wake county is all
2: Democrats and has been for a while. Durham okay. is all Democrats and has been for a while. Uh, Orange County is all Democrats and have been for a while. So in the triangle, those three counties are 19 Democratic county commissioners, I think, and zero Republican. Um,
1: what does out. that say about urban cores?
2: Our urban areas are far more progressive, lean far more Democrat, and they're made up of folks that have come here somewhat from other places and come um, bringing ideas from outside. North Carolina's always been a place where people brought great ideas from other places. Those growth in our urban areas, and I think those urban areas are growing faster now, mm-hmm. and so
3: are gonna have greater influence over the general state politics in the future. Mm-hmm. In, in Identical, I mean, you yeah. talking in South Carolina, Greenville, the downtown Greenville areas, a uh, huge transformation, predominant Democrat. Columbia has always been uh, a very strong Democratic uh, seat, and then Charleston as well. Charleston, the, the, the Charleston core, the peninsula, has always voted very strong. So Democratic. that doesn't
1: worry you at all that, that 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 kind of, and I'll call it imbalance in urban core political leadership, does not will not undermine any momentum going in community development or economic development.
3: It, it makes you think differently on how we. I mean, everything is local. So we, dealing with the local communities, it it takes a little bit more of a balance uh, to understand that the needs, the business community's needs, are right. what drives the economy in those local communities. But. Uh, it's all local. Let,
2: we, we, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think there is there is a pro-business left. Um, and particularly we see it in our community where folks where they a would be. A pro-business left or pro-business left. Business remaining? No, there's a pro-business left. In terms okay. of like right and left politics, there's a pro-business left. It's a group that doesn't care who you marry, doesn't care who you sleep with, doesn't care about a bunch of social choices that you might make, but are unabashedly uh, pro-business, uh-huh. interested in recruiting and retaining talent, growing jobs, and say economic success. They really see economic success as the strategy for pulling people out of poverty, for making sure that many of their social uh, objectives get accomplished.
1: Let, let me pin you down on one yeah. thing, Carl, and I know this is your area of dominant influence, and we're yeah. talking about the Midlands, Columbia and the Midlands, and, and Lexington and Richland County. Do you get a sense of, and, and probably not a fair question to ask you because you've got a lot invested in this but do you get a sense that columbia will figure out what those economic development challenges are that will help them and this is my term to be able to catch up to what up the upstate and the low country have done Hmm.
3: we're in that process now it's really the private sector uh taking the bull by the horn and realizing that uh, we control the destiny of the midlands and so we have to have Uh, more proactive economic incentives. We have to be more competitive, and, uh, but we can't rely on the public sector to dig us out of this hole. We've Mm -hmm. got to do it ourselves, and so I totally agree with Aaron. It's a, there's folks on the left and the right are putting aside any political differences to say, this is the best for economic development for the future of our kids, um, for recruitment of companies. We've got to change the way we're doing business.
1: A couple, just one question, but two issues that are related, Aaron. Uh, we got about a minute left. HQ2 has now made their decision. They're yes. going to be in Queens, New York, or New York, and Northern Virginia, which is basically DC. Um, was that surprising to you? That's the first question. The second question is, and let's let's start with the second question first. What happened to Apple? For a while it was the worst kept secret that they were gonna to relocate to North Carolina with a major part of their business. What happened? You know, and it's so odd,
2: you're right. And uh, we were talking about it earlier. It's sort of like poof evaporated. I don't hear anybody talking about it anymore. Either HQ2 sucked all the air out of that conversation or the election distracted us away from it or a hurricane. There's been a lot of things that have been competing for mind share and I just haven't heard anybody talking about it at all.
1: Does HQ2, Does that? did that decision Does that surprise you in any way? It's a wonder. It would have been a
2: wonderful gift to our community that would have come with some consequences, both positive and negative. I know lots of folks were looking forward to it, and it would have changed our community uh, forever. And now that that's not here, um, we got our heads back down and continue to work on other things.
1: Yeah, Less distraction press on. Thanks, gentlemen. We're going to meet our guests uh, in just a moment. Next week on this program, Dr. Nathan Hatch, is the president of wake forest university he will join us again also the north carolina treasurer dale falwell has uh, it takes his job very seriously as the chief financial officer for the old north state and we'll find out what the latest things uh, that they are working on and then a program we call retail renovation <coughs> and that is how retail has changed and how it is changing in light of not just fourth quarter retail sales but what they're doing differently now Uh, In response to all the online activity that has gone on, you know, the game of golf embodies many passions, especially here in the Carolinas. That should be no surprise. Real estate, vacationing, community development, of course, great views, exercise, and of course, competitiveness. Well, a decade or so ago, if you remember, we seemingly couldn't get enough of the game. In the form of standalone courses that were popping up everywhere, golf course communities that that seemed to go on forever. But where is the sport now? Has its interest and subscriptions peaked? Well, from Charleston and the Low Country, joining us now is the chief executive officer of the National Golf Course Owners Association, Jay Karen. Jay, welcome to the program. Thank you, Chris. Um, was I right about the November no-shave thing? Because this you've is an all-year. This it. is all-year. <laughs> yeah, not afraid of that. <laughs> Jay, let me recount some numbers, and I know you well, but for our viewers, so in, in, in the Carolinas, golf uh, is directly responsible for about 70,000 jobs, more than $5 billion in annual revenue, and we have just short of 1,000 courses, about 975 courses. But now, there has been, uh, the number of people playing the sport seems to be trending down. Am I right about that, and how do you respond to that as an association? Sure. Well, supply and demand is an interesting thing in the golf industry, because
4: the supply was influenced so much for years by housing development. There was an exuberance around golf. There's no question about it, but a lot of housing developers built golf courses because they wanted to sell more houses without much regard to actual demand for play. And so we had a rise, a slight rise in demand during the Tiger effect and so forth, and it's been flattened and it's kind of come down uh, marginally. But the number of golf courses has been closing. And that's gotten the headline is how many golf courses are closing. But for us, we see supply and demand coming into a nice balance. But we're looking at the demand side. That's the most important thing here is how many people are gonna play the game. And we're down to about 23 or 24 million from a height of about 30 million. And, but there is no existential crisis here because the the (laughs) indicators are very strong. First of all, we have 23 million people playing the game. That is incredibly strong. It's an $84 billion economy in the US. But right now, if you look at the future indicators, Diversity is up amazingly in the sport from the under-30 crowd.
1: You mean the players and the tours or the people that are actually playing? customers, the
4: that We have two planets in the golf universe. You've got the tour, I call it golf Hollywood, basically. (laughs) What's happening tour, television, fandom, all of that. But then you've got this other planet where all the golf courses exist, where people come and pay to play and sustain the 15,000 golf courses around the United States. That's who I represent. Well, you look at youth participation right now, and that's our future customer base participation in youth golf is on the rise so sharply when you look at other sports, when you're seeing decline. So, I mean, PGA junior league golf is an example. There are 52,000 kids now playing in that particular program and there were 8,000 kids about five or six years ago in that program. So we're seeing a lot of parents are finding a pathway to golf now, which that really didn't exist before as golf as a team sport. So we're very, optimistic about the future of the game. While we see peaks and valleys in any economy, yes, the uh, the demand's been going down, but we've got a lot of indication of why it's going to stay strong for a long time.
1: So there were a lot of similarities that people would draw between the game of golf and NASCAR as a sport to say that NASCAR went through the same type of kind of growth and then retraction. But you don't, you see that as two different. Very different, because NASCAR is is very much a fan-based
4: sport. I mean, you don't have a lot of people out there racing cars. We have a fandom and we have people paying to play and it's a lifelong sport. So you have to look at each one. The fandom has not really taken a hit. I mean, the, the, the tour is is still off the charts. LPGA is, is on the rise as far as fandom, excitement around it, viewers, all of that. Purse is going up, that's still incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. So it's, but we have to look at the golf courses and the real estate business and the land business and what happens there. That's, that's what I concern myself with.
2: Aaron? So I was, it's really interesting as a person who just recently gotten myself a used set of clubs and I'm starting to enjoy this. Um, and we thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome, you're welcome. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about what you see as is so as golf courses are closing, uh, what is happening with the land? Um,
4: what are people doing with that? Very good question and that is, there's no large trend on that because every land situation is different. It depends upon what your zoning is. Are you surrounded by houses or not? Uh, And, you know, what are the local politics involved in seeing a golf course close? You know, nobody likes to see a golf course close for all kinds of reasons. It's actually hard to get out of the business if you think about it because you're tied to 200 acres of land. What happens to this? So we're finding some courses are turning into parkland, Some courses are turning into houses. Some uh, operators like one in Columbia, a friend of mine, Rock Lucas, he has Charwood Country Club. He had 27 holes, closed nine of those. And now he has an 18 hole facility. He's, He's incredibly happy and probably his bottom line might be even better because of it. So all kinds of things are happening at that local level, but it does create some conflict when you have maybe 200 homeowners that thought they were gonna look out their backyard at a golf course forever, but there's nothing on the deed that promised that golf course. Interesting. So, you know, first and foremost, our members, golf course owners, they're in the land business. They, you know, that's, that's where the value's usually tied up. So, and we, we as you would imagine, as business owners, they'd wanna exercise whatever economically makes sense for their mm-hmm. asset. That's really interesting. Yeah.
3: Hey Jay, tell me. Uh, let's talk. Top Golf's taken off. I know they have a facility here. We just got a new um, a business in Columbia that opened up. It's a Top Golf simulator, where you can go during lunch and get lessons, or go out with a group of friends and have drinks and and play golf. How does that translate into? Courses and the, the future of golf as a whole? Uh, Carl, it's a great question. So, Top
4: Golf has been really the darling of the golf industry for the past, say, three to five years. And they're getting millions of, of folks coming in and spending a lot of money on food and beverage while hitting them a golf ball. Basically, it's a food and beverage business uh, where they get to swing at an inanimate object and have a lot of fun at it. And I, I believe anything that puts a golf club in someone's hand is good for our members in the game of golf. But what you're seeing at that little facility that has five simulators, to me, that is the future of the game as far as expanding the business, not necessarily displacing golf courses. I think that can expand the business. So we might be able to turn an $84 billion business into $120 billion business because of the the simulator concept. And for the folks uh, watching, that's basically where you you stand in like a small bay, a room, and you're hitting into a screen and you could be hitting into Pebble Beach because, and the graphics are amazing and you can change your lie and all of these things a lot of fun my what i'm hoping is that the golf course of the future is going to be indoor and outdoor under the moon and under the sun so that if it's raining you could still go to the golf course and play at the simulators if you want to play at nine o'clock at night you can now still go to the golf course and have a good time so i think there's a, a world of opportunity bringing technology to the green grass shop my concern is that the retail centers around america is where this may happen Mm -hmm. If that's the case then the economics go to the retail centers they don't go to the existing golf courses Mm -hmm. who i represent so we're trying to get our members uh... position to make the capital
1: expenditures to put in the this this new technology to expand their business let's unpack that a little bit further so to keep it real and to keep it on real turf it would seem like there's there's that you could leverage the idea of a par three a shorter course that you could play two hours mm-hmm. over a long lunch. Mm-hmm. Why hasn't that been exploited? Well, it's
4: always been there. Nine whole rounds have been there forever, right? Yeah. And um, and the, there's been this forward tee movement in the industry now for several years where a, a golf course will have seven sets of tees. So you think, oh, we want to you know, play a par three course. We'll pay, play from 4,500 yards, the forward set of tees. But there's a lot of ego tied up in where you play and where you tee off from. So there's a lot of resistance nice. to move up you know, <laughs> sets of tees. So we deal with that culturally. But something has happened in North Carolina at Pinehurst is a perfect example. They built this short course called The Cradle. It's a nine-hole golf course, and the holes range in length between like 50-something yards and 120 yards. And it is, the, it is incredibly popular right now at that resort. And that tells you something, that people just want to go out there, have a good time, play a short course, maybe drink some beers, and have fun with their friends. So there is definitely a movement towards shorter courses, shorter experiences, with a premium on fun. And you could convert existing properties or, or to do that. Absolutely. E- well, either you have extra acre- acreage and you can build a short course, or for charitable and corporate outings, convert your course to a short course so everybody can have a good yeah, time. Sure. And that, that's one of the problems with corporate golf is that all the single digit handicappers are loving it, and all the folks you know that are terrible at the game, they're thinking, this is the one time I play a year. But if they set up the course so that every hole's a par 3, man, everybody would have a good mm, time. Yeah.
2: It sounds interesting. It is. It's like the, I don't know, is there a pickleball movement in the, you know, what, what pickleball has done for tennis mm. or finding ways to make it shorter and more interesting. But those super short ones that you were just describing. Sounds like it goes, a lot of fun it
4: goes beyond play. that too, Aaron. It goes beyond just short courses. It's it's about what's the food and beverage experience like at a golf course? Is it still the Lay's potato chips and the hot dog, or is it the local craft beer and some really interesting tacos? And so a lot of golf courses to stay relevant in the future, they're looking at your entire business and figure out how do we inject better hospitality, better food and beverage, so that people choose us over the other activities in their lives. Can you order delivery from the course
2: you just hit it on your little? There is, oh, well, get this, it. there's
4: a course in North Dakota that has drone technology now that will deliver your food out to wherever you are in the golf course. This is from a the perfect c- place for drones to be <laughs> doing things, Absolutely. Right? Just bring me that beer. A <laughs> six pack on the 15th tee, please, you know?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Wait, where'd you say North Dakota? No, You gotta go North Dakota. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you have like
1: two months to play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly, July Fourth weekend. I know. I'll send you all there. That is going to be Carl, great, Carl. Yeah.
3: What are the challenges are facing your traditional golf courses, other than the social impacts of the game, and but from a technology standpoint uh, on the course and the um, immigration issues mm-hmm. and the workforce mm-hmm. issues? What are the what else is impacting? Oh, a all? lot. Workforce is a big one.
4: You know, because when you're in the golf business, you're you're in the land business, you're in the farming business, you're in the food and beverage business, you're in the event business, you're in the sport business. So finding the right labor to help your business is always a challenge where, say, 20 or 30 years ago, it almost a lot of people loved working in the golf industry just to be around it. They wanted to orbit the industry and Mm -hmm. be at a golf course. And, you know, a lot of folks didn't get paid well to do that, you know, but they love being around golf because they could play. And you know, times have changed a little bit. So it's harder recruiting folks, you know, to, to uh, be part of uh, working at golf courses, but organizations like the PGA of America and the golf course superintendents, they've taken a real effort in looking at the future labor force and making sure that, that they're training their members to, to be excellent at, at golf operations. But on the uh, uh, landscaping and course maintenance side, we have, we have issues with getting um, uh, help from foreign workers, you know, the H-2B visa problems that we've been having mm-hmm. in Washington translates to a lot of resorts uh, around the Carolinas as well. Um, but costs, you know, costs for operating are, are going to continue to go up. Mm-hmm. And the challenges we have are that go- the price to play golf hasn't really gone up along with the costs. And so from an economic standpoint, the tra- to get back to your question, the traditional problems that, that the business is going to have is that profitability. How do we get more revenue out of our existing businesses? How do we maybe employ some dynamic pricing and other really interesting economic theory to pricing tea times and other things and and maybe squeezing more profits out of the existing facilities? So a lot of typical problems you find at restaurants, hotels, uh, you know, golf is not immune to those same
1: same issues. And and again, to take that a little bit further, Jay, and we've got about a minute and a half left, you've got this thing called OTTA, Mm. online tea time agencies interacting with Expedia, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. and there's a rub there. is that, is that enough to really undermine more rounds? Well, the, the issue there, Chris, is that the, the online tee time
4: agencies, you know, the Golf Now and teoff.com in our industry, they, they, it's a great place to go book a round of golf. There's no question about it. But the question is, are they generating demand? And I'll say that Expedia has never caused me to take a trip I wasn't gonna already take, but it's nice that the booking tool is there. So it's a new cost of doing business for golf courses to put their inventory online and have to pay a lot of money for the bookings that are coming through that. And the question is, is it growing the economic pie or golf, or is it, is it taking more out of the pie? And that, that's a challenge because it creates this downward price pressure. When you aggregate all these tee times online, the golfers are shopping, they're saying, where's the cheap place to play? Right, right. At what time is available? Bam, that's what I want. So it's commoditized in some ways, the tee time. Mm-hmm. And that has a downward pressure on pricing. When costs are going up, it's, it's a difficult scenario, but it's still... Despite that, it's still a very good business to be in. Hmm. Thank you for being on the program. What are you hitting now? What do you shoot? I'm 6.5 handicap, but I had a personal (laughs) best last week and I shot a 69. That's good. For the folks That's at home, good. it's legitimate. I played with the P.J. of <laughs> America CEO, so you can't question it when you got the it's, P.J. of America CEO yeah. playing with me.
1: Yeah, and nice job. Thanks thank for you. being on the program. Yeah. Please come back. Uh, I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to. Carl, nice to see you. Likewise, thank you for Aaron, having me. as well. It was a pleasure. Good to see you. Thank good you. to see you. Uh, until next week, I'm Chris William. We hope your your game, of course, and your weekend is good too. Thank you. Good night.
0: Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by the Duke Endowment. Bearings, Grant Thornton, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Promotional consideration provided by Business North Carolina Magazine. For more information, visit CarolinaBusinessReview.com.